0: Good morning, everyone. Oh, man, it's so good to be with you here this morning, to be able to share God's Word with you, to unpack that together. And the beauty of diving into God's Word is, as we do this, we realize that we have a God who's still alive. We have a God who speaks to us clearly today. Um, and so this morning, if you have your Bibles with you, you please open them up to the book of Matthew, chapter 13, verses 33, 33. Matthew chapter 13, verses 33. We'll be looking at our last parable, um, at least in, the, in this chapter, um, Matthew 13, verses 33. I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, um, so if it's a little different to yours, don't panic. Um, it's just one verse, so I'm sure you'll be able to follow. Um, it, it, goes as, it goes as follows. And he, this is talking about Jesus, told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Let's read that one more time. He told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like leaven or yeast, some of your translations might say, that a woman took and hid in three measures of flour till it was all leavened. Let us pray. Lord, we come before you this morning with hearts that desire to meet with you. Lord, what a waste of a morning it would be that if we just came here, sung a few songs and left, but without meeting our King of Kings, without meeting you, hearing from you. And so, Lord, we pray that you'd be gracious to us, that as we gather as your sons and as your daughters, that you would speak a life, that you would speak into our situation, that you would challenge us, that you would encourage us, But most of all, Lord, that you would reveal Christ to us. That we would have a hunger and a desire to know Christ more as we leave this place this morning. So, Lord, I pray that you take my simple words on a real uh, um, one lined parable. And you would take them for your glory. That you would speak through me those words that are my own. Would they fall on deaf ears? But those words that you speak, would they speak and give us life? We ask this and we Pray this in Jesus' wonderful name. Amen. So, um, Alyssa and I have some exciting news. Some of you might have already found out, but Alyssa is 15 weeks pregnant. Thank you, thank you. Um, And we're super excited. Uh, We can't wait. Uh, Our baby's coming in April, and so we can't wait to meet our little person, the person that God has and is making for us. Um, And we're just looking forward to that time. And there's this exciting process now of this time to come that we we look into. But Alyssa and I, we were trying to fall pregnant. But when we found out we were pregnant, it still came a bit of a surprise for us. The reason is because we had tried a couple of pregnancy tests. And they had said Alyssa wasn't pregnant. And Alyssa went off to the doctor, wasn't feeling great. And as she got down and sat with the doctor, told her her symptoms and the doctor, knowing that we were trying to fall pregnant. She says, well, I think you might be pregnant. We're like, no, we've checked, we're not. So she said, well, let me just check anyway. And after all the tests, it came back and found out Alyssa was four weeks pregnant. And so super excited. I wasn't there, unfortunately. I'd been there for every other test, but not for this one, because I thought she was just sick. And um, we, she came home and she told me the exciting news. But we had about four weeks before we had our first scan, at eight weeks. Um, but in those four weeks, Though the doctor had told us we were pregnant, Alyssa has not struggled with any morning sickness, really. Heart now and again feels a little yuck, but that's about it. Um, but other than just eating a lot and being tired, there was no real signs that Alyssa was pregnant. And there was times when Alyssa would say to me, I wonder if we really are pregnant. Like, and there was this uncertainty at times that this had actually happened. And around about eight weeks we went and we sat down and we... I went to the Ghani and we got the news. Oh man, there it is, this little baby. It looked like a gummy bear. I mean, that's as far as I can. That is about two centimeters long. You could maybe make out a face and these little stubby little arms and legs. That was it, but we were super excited about that. But our next scan was at 13 weeks. We went and uh, we went to the, sat down and we looked at the scan and the transformation that had happened was drastic. We could, from this little gummy bear looking type thing, suddenly you could see a face, you could see hands, you could see fingers and toes. They did a 3D scan and we could see the baby or, uh, stroking his face and it was or her face that like we don't know yet. My wife's pulling for her, I'm kind of pulling for her here. Um, and but this transformation drastically happened. And the amazing thing for me was that we did absolutely nothing in it that Alyssa, besides just eating a lot, did nothing. There's no period where Alyssa had to sit down during the day and go, today I'm making a foot. We just got there and this transformation took place. We did nothing and God was doing all the work. God was knitting together our little child for us. And what we see in this passage is we see a drastic inward transformation that takes place inside all of us. This passage is talking about how we who are Christians, who who know Christ, are being transformed more and more into the image of God. And and this is talking about Christians and not about non-Christians. And the reason for that is That this kind of transformation that this passage is talking about is a transformation that comes purely by the Holy Spirit. Not a make yourself get better seven steps to a better you. That's not what this passage is talking about. It's talking about a Holy Spirit transformation, one that God does inside of us. And the reason for that is for only for Christians is because the Holy Spirit's primary role in a non-Christian's life is not to make them a better person. For he could change their character, but if they do not know Christ, it would be a waste. The Holy Spirit's primary role for the non-Christian is to convict them of their sin and show them that Christ is Savior. Everything else is secondary to that. But for those of us who have realized this, who have realized that we are sinners, that we need a Savior, that there is nothing that we can do to earn our salvation, but we need someone to come and pay for the sins that we cannot pay, and that is only through Jesus Christ, when we have realized that Jesus has died for us on the cross for our sin, and we are saved, which is shown to us by the Holy Spirit. We receive the Holy Spirit into our lives and the holy spirit starts to transform us he starts to mold us he starts to make us more into the image of christ for the glory of christ and you see the role changes a bit it goes from showing us christ as savior that is it man you're sinful and you need jesus for a non-christian and when it dwells when the holy spirit when he comes and he dwells inside of us He takes the fact that now we know Christ. We have have been saved. He grows us in the salvation and reveals more and more of who Christ is to us. And he starts to shape us into the image of Jesus. And there's probably a few scriptures that describe this as well as 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18. It says um, this in the passage. It says, and we all... With unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image. Into what? Into the image of the Lord. Into the image of Christ. From one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. And so the Holy Spirit starts to transform us into the image of Christ. And so when we look at this passage that we've just read this morning, and when it talks about leaven, and it talks about flour or dough, um, depending on your translation, if we had to uh, kind of give uh, the name to a person, we would say that the leaven or the yeast is the Holy Spirit, and the dough and the, or the uh, flour is us. And there's this need as we look into this passage, there's this need for us to apply the yeast into the dough. Um, Some of the translations, my translation says hid, and the woman took it and hid it in three measures of flour. If you read from the NIV this morning, it would have um, said, until it was worked through all the dough. So we take the yeast and we work it into the dough as we prepare to make bread. There's this real thorough working in of it. And so for us, there is this need for us to work in the Holy Spirit into our lives. You see, there's this possibility for us to have the Holy Spirit, to have the yeast, but yet not work it into our lives. There's this possibility that it will be there. We receive the Holy Spirit when we are saved, and He comes and dwells in us, but it's possible that we do not apply it and work it into our lives. So, how do we apply it? How do we take the Holy Spirit? And how do we apply him into our lives? And the primary way in which we do this is that we, um, for the, firstly, what we need to do is we need to understand that the Holy Spirit does all the work. All right? When we look at the passage that we've just read in 2 Corinthians 3.18, we see that it does not say we are transformed into the image of Jesus from thorough, hard perseverance, because we have to put all the effort in. No. The transformation that takes place is primarily through the work of the Holy Spirit. He is the one that shapes us and molds us into the image of Christ. So he, upon hearing that, some of you might think, well, that, Joey, that, that means I don't have to do anything. Man, that I can just sit back. That man, if I just live the life that I want to and I don't be made into the image of Jesus as much as I should, well, that's not my fault, that's the Holy Spirit's fault, and He didn't do enough, good enough job. And we could come to that conclusion, but it would be wrong. Because again, as we look at this passage, we see that there's that application that we have to apply. We have to take the Holy Spirit's work and apply it into our lives. And how do we do that? How do we take it and apply it into our lives knowing that the Holy Spirit does all the work? And primarily it comes through healing through, to the work of the Holy Spirit. Healed into the instruction, healed to the command, healed into the conviction that the Holy Spirit has in our lives. It's kind of like Elizabeth's pregnancy. Man, she's not doing any of it. She's not sitting down today. We don't have a schedule that says, okay, today on the 5th of uh, November, I can't believe it's November already, the 5th of November, that we are going to be sitting down on Guy Day and making out some ice. It's not going to happen. But rather, Alyssa's responsibility is to respond to what her bo- body is telling her. When she gets hungry, man, she must eat. When she's tired, she must have a nap. That's all she can do. There's nothing more that she can do. And in a very simple way, we too need to heal to the Holy Spirit. When the Holy Spirit comes along in our lives and says, man, you need to deal with this. The thing that she has to, we have to do is go, all right. Lord, you've convicted me of my language and the way I speak. Okay. Okay. I'm going to apply that, and I'm going to heal to your instruction, and I'm going to make this better. Does that make sense? And so the Holy Spirit is the one that convicts us of it. He's the one that says, hey, Joe, your language is bad, man. You need to sort this out. It's unacceptable in the way you speak. But it is my role to go, Lord, I believe in you. I see it now, and so therefore I apply it. Without the Holy Spirit, I would have never come to that conclusion. Without the Holy Spirit, I would have never realized my language was not good enough for the Lord. He is the one that points it out. And there's so many different areas. Man, he could convict you that you need to be telling someone about Christ at your workplace. He's the one that says, man, go. And there is this need to heal to that. And go, Lord, you've said I must. You wanted to share with that person. Fine. I will share Christ. I will go tell this person about Christ. But may I suggest as well, it is possible that the Holy Spirit speaks to us and we do not have to do what he says. By, by we do not have to, man, we should. Don't hear me wrong here. The pastor said I don't have to listen to uh, the Holy Spirit. No, no, we should. But we don't have to. The Holy Spirit's a gentleman. He doesn't come along and force you to be what he desires you to be. He tells you and it is up to us now to heal and apply. It's like Alyssa, Man, she could feel hungry. But if she doesn't want to eat, she doesn't have to. But if she does not eat, she decides, man, I want to eat one meal every three days. That would be crazy, but just a bad example. It would be to the detriment of our child. In a similar way, man, when we don't heal to the Holy Spirit saying, do this, do that, it stunts our growth. It can be to our detriment that we do not apply what he says to our lives. And so there's this real need for us to be able to apply it ourselves, to be able to take what the Holy Spirit says and yield to him. But I understand that even as I speak about the Holy Spirit this morning, some of us feel Uncomfortable. I get it. I understand that some of you are going, man, you used the word Holy Spirit a lot this morning. And that feels uncomfortable. Fearful. Man, there's a lot of crossed arms in this room this morning. Don't have to uncross them now. It's fine. But I get that. I grew up in a home where the Holy Spirit was God, but that's all we did. We didn't speak much more about it. Why? Why? Because primarily we thought and we felt, man, there are so many people that are are using the Holy Spirit, false prophets and false teachers, that are taking this Holy Spirit thing and using it to preach a false gospel, prosperity gospel for their own gain and for their own greed. And so what we did, and this might not necessarily apply to you, but what we did is, or at least I did indirectly, was that I took my hate and my fear of falling into such a gospel... And I took it, and I started to paint the Holy Spirit with the same brush, unintentionally. And so when I heard Holy Spirit, I automatically put my hands up, and I went, man, this is going to be something bad. I don't want any of this. I don't want to listen. I don't want to talk. Let's speak about Jesus alone. Let's do about that, man. You're missing the point here. And as a result, what I did was that I Shoved away anything that had to do with the Holy Spirit. And I understand that this morning. But, church, may I suggest to you that that was wrong of me, that that was not right. Because if we have a good grasp of who the Holy Spirit is, man, we'll understand that there's nothing to hate, there's nothing to fear. There's nothing to worry about. Just because there's some false prophets and false teachers doing some things that they should not, does not make that is the Holy Spirit's role and that's what who He is. We look in Scripture, we realize that the Holy Spirit is God. I mean, He is God. He is not lesser than the Father or the Son. They are all equal. He is God. God. We see that the word Holy Spirit and the word God is interchangeable in Scripture. We particularly see this um, in Acts 4 verses 3 and 4. It says this. Uh, uh, There's this guy named Ananias. He had to go sell a piece of land and property. And what he does is he goes and his wife and him go and sell it and they take the money, and they come to the church and say, we give you all the money that we got from this piece of property. But they they say they gave it all, but they kept a large chunk for themselves, and they just lied about giving it all. They didn't have to. They could have said, hey, man, here's half the amount of the money, and the church would have been happy. But what they've come, and they've come and lied. And Peter responds to Ananias, and he says these words. How is it that Satan has so filled your heart that you have lied to the Holy Spirit? Lied to who? the Holy Spirit, and have kept for, yourself some mon- uh, uh, kept for yourself some money you received for the land. What made you think of doing such a thing? You have not lied just to human beings, but to God. You have lied to God. Just now it said lied to the Holy Spirit and lied to God. Church, the Holy Spirit is God. And without the Holy Spirit... As I said a little earlier, it is impossible to come to salvation. Man, the Holy Spirit, if you are Christian this morning, He played a role in you to become saved. Man, He worked in your life. He convicted you of sin. He revealed Christ to you so that you would see Him as Lord and Savior. This is what He has done. He loves you so much that He would play a role in your salvation. The Holy Spirit loves you and adores you that He wants to see you come to know Christ. And now that He is in your life, He desires that you would get to know Jesus more and live for His glory. This is the Holy Spirit for you. There's nothing to fear. The Holy Spirit. Man, Be diligent, be discerning when it comes to preachers. Take the words that I am saying today, study the scriptures, see if I am right. Do not just trust me because you've seen me up here a couple of times. Do not trust anyone because they are on TV, but do not despise the Holy Spirit because there are some who take the words of God and twist them for their own greed and grain. And I said that badly, but you got what I meant. Take it. Trust in Him. And when we realize that this is our God, church, that comes and speaks into our lives. Do you know that the Holy Spirit doesn't speak on His own behalf? He doesn't. He doesn't act on act by himself just like the son when he was when jesus was here on earth he didn't act on his own behalf he acted by the father so the holy spirit comes and acts when the father speaks and so when the holy spirit comes and convicts you about a sin when the holy spirit comes and instructs you to do something it is a direct talking to from the father to come and change you can trust in him you can heal to him Because He loves you and He cares much for you. And there are huge benefits that come with this. Man, I'm going to tackle seven benefits this morning and we'll close up with communion. But if we are able to heal to the Holy Spirit, there are seven benefits that come that the Holy Spirit gives us. That if you aren't yielding to Him, if you aren't applying Him to your life, that you are missing out on some of these. And the first one is that the Holy Spirit is our teacher. John 14, verses 26 says, he will teach you all things. This is Jesus talking about him. He will teach you all things. The Holy Spirit comes and teaches us things. He teaches us in two ways. He teaches us directly, and he teaches us indirectly. By directly, I mean that he speaks to us and reveals something to us that you would never have understood without him. And by that, I, let me give you an example. When I became Christian, I was sitting down at my table doing homework, there was nothing about the homework that I was doing that revealed Jesus to me. But I, I sat there and I looked up and I saw a sunset. And the sunset was beautiful and it was like a penny dropped in my head. God is real. I promise you it wasn't written in the clouds. It wasn't sitting there going, God is real, Joe. It was just the sudden aha moments that God is real. So directly speaking by the Holy Spirit, and there's many ways in which he does that too. The second way the Holy Spirit speaks to us is indirectly. So, for example, this morning, man, we sung some words. We sung some songs. Some of those words might have just really hit home for you. And gone, oh, man, the Holy Spirit has said something to me through that. Or the scriptures that Debs had up for us and talking about the victory of Christ. Oh, man, those really stood out for me. The Holy Spirit uses Scripture, He uses um, lyrics, He uses sermons, He uses poems, He uses conversation and fellowship to be able to speak indirectly into our lives and challenge us. But there is this requirement of us to heal to the teaching of the Holy Spirit. And the more we do it, the more this Holy Spirit speaks to us and teaches us and we're healed, and the more we go, yes, Lord, I will change. Yes, Lord, that is new. Yes, Lord, I will do that. The more the Holy Spirit speaks, and the more, like Anna Marie said this morning, that we can hear that still small voice, it becomes clearer and clearer and clearer as we yield more and more to our God, the Holy Spirit. The second thing that the Holy Spirit gives us is in John uh, 16, verse 23. It says this, and he will guide you into all truth. The Holy Spirit is our guide. Without the Holy Spirit, you are unable to be led into spiritual truth. You will not be able to grasp truth without the Holy Spirit. It says this in 1 Corinthians 2 verse 24. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that comes from the Spirit of God. The man without the Spirit does not accept the things that come from the Spirit of God, for they are foolish to him and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually discerned. Man, the only way we as Christians are going to be able to understand the Word of God more is when the Holy Spirit speaks to us in that truth. It's such an important thing for us. That we understand that as we come and as we spend time in God's word daily, that we don't just open up and think that we have the intelligence and wisdom to be able to grasp the things of God. That it is God's Holy Spirit that speaks through us that we might be able to understand it. Church, as you spend time in the morning, regardless if you've read this 40 times or not, as you spend time in the morning, ask the Holy Spirit to show you truth. To show you Christ in the passage that you might know Him more. Do it, because He will lead you in truth. Not yourself. It is through Him and through Him alone. The third thing is that the Holy Spirit is our reminder. Jesus, again, talking about the Holy Spirit, says in John 14, verse 26, He says, He will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Now, sometimes we think, I'm not going to spend time in God's Word because I just don't understand it. I, I never remember what I read. I, I don't like it when this preacher speaks because he speaks a little bit over my head. Um, I don't like it. I just think preaching is boring, so I don't listen to sermons, man. I don't know why we should memorize Scripture because I, can't under, I can never remember what I had tried to remember. But the 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 truth of the matter is this, is that the Holy Spirit reminds us of these things, whether we know it or not. The Holy Spirit in a situation where you're talking to a friend and they just need encouragement will pop a verse into your head that you have not remembered in years and that you might be able to encourage with someone. The Holy Spirit reminds us of truths as we have discussions with people about Christ that do not believe Him, that you are able to answer questions back to them that they have because He reminds you of the truths that you have read, learned, or heard. Whether you think you aren't taking in much, the Holy Spirit will help you get it. But church, if you have nothing in your head, there will be nothing to remind you of if you aren't reading the Word of God, if you're not listening and coming to church, if you're not spending time reading about who our Savior is, I promise you now, the Holy Spirit is not going to remind you about anything because there's nothing to remind you of. Study, learn, spend time in God's Word. Find out more about our Savior Jesus and He will remind you of it. The fourth thing is the Holy Spirit gives power and renewed power. We see this particularly in Acts one verse eight. It says, "You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, and in all Judea and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth." What happened was the disciples. Um, Jesus has died. He's raised again to life, and he says to them, "Man, wait for the Holy Spirit to come, because when he comes, you're going to receive power, so that you might be boldly be able to witness throughout." the world. And they waited, and they waited for like ten days. And as they wait and they wait and they wait, the Holy Spirit falls upon them. And these men who were cowardly, who ran away when Christ was crucified, who were hiding in an upper room, have the Holy Spirit pours out upon them so that they might have the boldness to proclaim word of God. There's this power that comes over them. Man, Peter, who denied Jesus three times to a slave girl who had no authority and no one would have believed her if she went and tittle-tailed and said, man, this man was with Jesus. He suddenly stands up and he preaches a sermon where 3,000 people are saved. Now that's a good sermon. 3,000 men are saved. If you can do one of those, you need to be up in here. That is a good, good sermon to preach. There's this boldness and authority and power that comes over Peter. Not because he is amazing, no, but because the Holy Spirit is in him. We receive power when we're healed to the work of the Spirit in our lives, that we might be bold and proclaim to the world that Jesus Christ is Lord. And there's this understanding and connecting of Scripture that takes place throughout it all. But also, on top of that, there's this renewed power that happens. Man, Peter and John, in four chapters later, some time later, are stuck in a difficult situation. They pray and they need to share God's word. They're standing before some people who are angry with them. And what happens is they are filled with the Spirit again. And they are receive power again to proclaim the word boldly. And there's this application of that from Paul in Ephesians 5. That says that we must be filled with the Spirit. And the the tense that is used there is one of continuous tense. Be filled with the Spirit continually. Be filled with the Spirit daily is how some translations take it. And every morning before we go out throughout the day that we need to heal to the Holy Spirit saying, Lord, would you empower me today? Would you fill me so that I might be able to live for the glory of God and for Jesus Christ? Might you give me boldness to live for Jesus The next thing the Holy Spirit gives us is spiritual gifts, that we might receive spiritual gifts for the common good. Church, if you have come to know Christ, the Holy Spirit has come along and given you a spiritual gift. He has picked particularly for you at least one spiritual gift. Man, some of you have loads. And He's given them intentionally for you. It's not a lucky packet draw. It's not just a, a it just happens, or oh, this is what you happen to get. But intentionally with you in mind, he has given you this gift. And when we use these gifts, when we heal to what the Holy Spirit has given us, we glorify Jesus when we use them. And us as a church, as members of this church, are equipped to glorify Jesus even more. This is one of the workings of what happens when we heal to the Spirit. The next thing the, the Spirit does, and, and one of the greatest ones of them all, is that the Spirit testifies about who Jesus is. John 15, verse 26 says, He will testify about me, says Jesus. If you are wanting to know Christ more, if you are wanting to get to know this beloved Savior who died for you on the cross more, grow in your relationship with Him more. There is a requirement for you to heal to the Spirit, because He is the one who will show you Jesus. He will show you things about Jesus that you had never grasped, that you have never understood. He will take the depth of the things that you do know and show that they are far deeper than you ever thought. But you need to be healed into the Spirit so that He might show you these things, so that you might know your beloved Savior more and more. And lastly, the Holy Spirit gives us the fruit of the Spirit. Galatians 5, verse 22 and 23 says... The fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. When we receive the Spirit in our lives, one of the things that He wants to do is He wants to take away sin. Man, we mess up. We do it all the time. And He wants us to be better at that. But He doesn't just want to take away our sin, but He wants to start building in great character. He wants to start giving us the fruit of the Spirit. That we might have a love for our Lord and Savior, and we might love Him with all our heart, soul, mind, and strength. That we might have a love for our neighbor as we love ourselves, and a love that covers a multitude of sin. That we might have a joy that surpasses all understanding. A joy that is not dependent on circumstances. A joy that is in Christ alone. That we might have a a peace that is not dependent on how tough things are or if things are good or bad. That we might have a patience on God's timing, going, Lord, if you are not finished being and working yet, that we are patient on your timing and certainly a patience in traffic as well. That we might have a kindness that might be able to glorify Christ. A kindness to all races, all ages, all ethnic groups and all classes of people that we might do good works for the glory of Jesus unselfishly and when it does not just benefit us, that we might have a faithfulness on the things that God has instructed us to do so that we might be faithful like our Savior is faithful to us, that we might be gentle, yes, bold as lions going out there and telling people about Christ, but gentle in our approach and the way we do it, that we might be self-controlled, that we might be able to resist sin when sin comes our way self-controlled and making sure that we keep the habits that our Lord and Savior desires us to give. Church, this is our God. And when He comes along and when He works these things in us, man, these are the benefits that we have. He's there, ready to be used. And all we have to do is healed to his working. Man, he will do the work. All you have to do is heal to it. Allow it to happen. Listen to his instruction. Be obedient. And we will grow more and more into the image of Christ for the glory of our Savior as well. Let us do this. We're going to come around the uh, communion table, so if Rog and Mark um, will come up, and we'll conclude um, with this as well. And as we talk about man becoming more like Jesus, being molded more and more into his image, I realize that there's a struggle in doing this, particularly in my life. I know that as I do this, I wish it would happen quicker. I wish I'd become more and more like Jesus quicker. I sometimes say, Lord, can't we just be over this problem now? Can't I just have dealt with this? And I feel sometimes Lord looks down at me and goes, Joe, I wish you would hurry up as well. I wish this would be quicker. But this transformation into the image of Christ is not a silver bullet type thing. And 2 Corinthians 3.18 says, it is from one degree of glory to another. It is sometimes a painstakingly slow process. It feels like we take two steps forward and one step back. And I get that. And as I realize that, man, we do that, sometimes we feel that we're not good enough. Sometimes we feel like failures. We feel that Christ is angry and disappointed with us because this process is not as quick as it should be. We feel we aren't mature as we should be. But church, as we come around this table, we see a love that is unconditional. We see a love for us that would die for us in our deepest, darkest, ugliest moments. Then when we were unable to do anything good... Jesus Christ came and died for us because he loves you. That's the beauty of this. There's this passage in Ephesians 1. And it's, it's a passage that says that God in love predestined us before the foundations of the world. Now that has a lot of people put their backs up when they hear that. But something that we miss in our theology and our debate is this. That in love before the foundations of the world, God loved us. He loved you. How awesome is that? Before you were able to do any good, before you were able to do anything that would glorify Christ, before you were able to do all of that, knowing what sin you would make, God looked upon you and loved you. And it is displayed no gr- more greatly than at the death of Christ. So as we partake of this blood, or oh, this grape juice that represents Jesus' blood, and as, as we partake of this bread, which represents the body that was beaten for us, be reminded that no matter how far you are on this journey, no how much you mess up, the love of God for you is unconditional. That He died for your sin, and He loves you dearly. So keep on keeping on. Keep on persevering. Keep on healed into that spirit so that you might become more like him. Man, this process is not going to be done until we reach glory. But when we do, we will meet our, loved, our Savior that loved us so much. So I'm going to ask uh, Rog and uh, Mark to pray for us.
1: Lord, we're grateful for you this morning. Just sense you in the room so intimately. Thank you, Lord, for your presence. Thank you for giving us your Holy Spirit. Thank you, Lord, that we can have more of your Spirit, if we ask. Thank you, Lord, that we are all on a journey with you, and this journey started at the cross. This journey started with your body being broken for us. You took our sins, Lord, upon your body. And you've given us clothes of righteousness pure white the father looks at us now and welcomes us in we pray for the holy spirit now and more is given to us there's so much lord we don't deserve you have been so gracious to us this morning as we take your bread the bread lord we remember the sacrifice we remember what you did we are so grateful to you lord we ask you to come and continue to work on us. Come and continue to work in our hearts. Give us more of your Spirit. Make us more like you. In Jesus' name. Lord, it's it's encouraging this morning, Lord, as we consider what you offer us. Uh, And even this table, Lord, uh, we're going to take this This juice, Lord, it's not because we earned it, Lord, but it's because you offer it. And, Lord, we accept it this morning. We accept it because we know it's our salvation. We know that uh, your work, Lord, uh, the price you paid is our salvation. Uh, And, Lord, we drink gratefully this morning, um, knowing that you offer your presence to us. You offer your Holy Spirit to us. uh, You offered yourself, Lord, on a cross for us. We're just so grateful for that.
0: As the elements come around, we just hold on to them and we'll eat and drink together. send your son Jesus to come and die on the cross for us that in our ugliness and in our sin you would look upon us with love and that you would die for us but we thank you father that you have not just left us alone you haven't just died for us and saved us from our sins and led us to go and live life but you have sent a helper the holy spirit and we thank you that God himself dwells in us we thank you that you lead us and you guide us, that you teach us, that you remind us, that you uh, lead us to truth, that you show us more of Jesus, that you give us spiritual gifts, that you empower us so that we might live for the glory of Christ, and that you hope our character to become more and more like Jesus. I hope, ask, Lord, that you would help us to, to be able to heal more. Lord, we want to heal control to you today. We want to say, Lord, our lives are yours, and would you speak to us? Would you show us where we can go and where we can um, change for the glory of Christ? And I just pray, Lord, that you would um, God, just empower us so that we might be able to live for you. Forgive us, Lord, that when we mess up, that when you uh, give us uh, instruction, um, that we sometimes do not listen, we do not yield our control over to you. We just pray, Lord, that you would forgive us for that and help us to become more and more like Jesus, that we might live a life of purpose, that we might be able to praise and glorify Jesus more and more in our lives. We ask this and pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.